So hello all and welcome to Widening the Circle a Sacred Story. Um, so I'm one of your co-hosts, Sky Williams Tao, and I use they them pronouns. And I'm I muted. <laughs> I'm Jamili Omar and I use she her pronouns. And this week is very exciting. We have a guest, our first guest, uh, Jacaren. Um, yeah, I don't know if you want to give us a little bit of an introduction for yourself to Karen. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, Sky and Jamili. My name is Jacaren Ola Oya. I use she, her pronouns, and I am an end of life and grief doula, and I'm also currently a seminarian at Star King School for the Ministry, and I work for Beloved Conversations as a communications coordinator. Lots of things in my life. Um, I currently live in Winter Park, Florida with my dog, Macy Moon, who might make up an appearance um, during this session. Um, but um, she's here with me in Florida. And um, I'd love to share the fact that like one of the practices that helps me to process my feelings is art. I'm a visual artist. I love to knit and create collages that are mixed media and paint. And uh, they help me heal. Yeah, which um, is our question for this week is, uh, how do you hold your feelings? How, how do you move through? And so, and so we invited Jacaren to, to share practice. And I also, I think at this point, Neely and I will also share practice of um, what we do. And one of the practices that helps me is uh, like having a sacred spot outside. Like I've just found that I really need, like at one point I had the place I would call like my crying tree. Like that's where I would go when I need to be alone and just like cry. Um, and now it's more a place for me to like sit and just breathe and um, have a little bit of space where I feel like I can just be whoever I need to be right at, right at that time. The, the practice that's easiest for me to access is music, um, is, uh, you know, putting on the song in the car and going for a drive or, um, Finding prayer through song and meditation through song um, is is probably the easiest practice for me to access. And I'm going to speak up for the people that don't know what their practice is. That um, I struggle when I just got asked this question today: What's your spiritual practice? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, and so I encourage us all to to continue to search and and find the things plural that fit when they fit and what we need. Yeah, and I want to offer the questions. These are practices. I think all three of these are practices that you can explore and see see if they do fit. Um, we also talked about doing an image description. Um, so I'm gonna say I'm a light skinned person who has a eyebrow piercing and longish, shortish hair, um, wearing a black shirt, and I've got a 
background. My background is a bulletin board that's got a number of things pinned to it. And I'm Jamili. I have um, light skin and I wear glasses and my hair is pulled back in a ponytail today. It's uh, COVID long. I keep saying I will cut it eventually, but not through COVID. I have an orange shirt on and you can see a uh, tapestry in my background, which is a quilt my sister's made. And you, Karen? That's beautiful. So I am a brown skinned black woman wearing fabulous blue glasses, a knit hat, a gold sweater with a silver necklace that says worthy. And my background is a floral tropical, um, I don't even know what to call it, um, but my background is just kind of floral and tropical. <laughs> Very Florida. Very much so. <laughs> Let's see. And oh, and for a covenant, next piece is our covenant. Um, so for a covenant, we've been talking for a while about what we want to do with this piece. And um, as we get people writing into us, we'd love to, to have this hold this space for that. But for now, I was going to read us uh, a quote that was from one of our earlier episodes, um, transcription of that, that when we were talking a little bit more about what we wanted to do on this podcast. Um, so this is from episode one at around the 1528 time marker. Um, and Jamili says, I think the agreement we've come back to is that the process of doing it, this podcast, is more important than the final product we come to in any given moment. And we can revisit those moments where we make mistakes or fall out of covenant, and that's really hard. I'm a perfectionist, I want it to be right and perfect and done. And so to say no, it's the process of uncovering where the meaning is made and where the relationships are held. And then I responded to her, um, which I do love. I think one thing we talked about was having a covenant, having a static covenant. But I actually feel like just hearing you say that, I think we'll name some of the principles because we have some principles and some ideas that we really want to let guide our work. And I think there's something really real in what you're saying that it's not about the five lines you write, it's about the practice and the process and coming back and really trying to do this important work of looking at this prophetic story about the religion we love together. Um, and I also wanna bring us sort of formally into the sacred space um, with a little bit of a grounding. So I like putting my feet on the floor um, and thinking about really rooting into the floor that really makes sense. And then I also think about rooting into the sky and really opening up. And for me, that often means like pushing my shoulders up to my ears and rolling them back a little, opening up my chest area to the sky. Um, and also, you know, being mindful of the core of our body where, where our grounding meets, I think of like our ambitions or like our, our biggest and or most expansive selves and that core where, where those two things meet. Um, and, uh, I feel like we, I never remember to bring a chalice. Um, I think Jamili has a chalice. Perfect. I have one. <laughs> um, so let me read. We return to love again and again and again. We value what is true. We honor holiness. We try and we grow 
we fail and we rest and we try. We are here together now. We need one another. We covenant. And in our schedule, that means we're into big discussion piece, which is sort of our open piece to explore the chapter. And so I don't think you mentioned, I mentioned, but uh, the section we're exploring this week is trends. So it's after the sort of preamble and before theology, there's a section that's about five pages long that's trends. Um, uh, so that's the section we'll be exploring today. Um, and I think to, to start us in the section, I want to invite Jacaren to sort of um, begin us where you'd like to begin us. Thank you, Skye. Um, I think it's important to uh, start with these trends, talking about what they are. Um, I know that uh, many people have read these sections, and even if you haven't, this might be just a great uh, Cliff's Notes version of that. Um, in this particular section, it talks about the uh, trends not only in um, Unitarian Universalism, but also the greater trends in faith systems as a whole, and our country and the world, really. I mean, th these are things that affect all of us. Um, thinking about some of the larger scale trends, it talks about how uh, we're mostly moving away from institutional religion. Um, it talks about the changing demographics of who uh, makes up church institutions, and then also kind of the future for new, gener uh, new generations, what that actually looks like. And it's not, it's not all roses, unfortunately. Um, and you use specifically, it talks about um, this kind of like new makeup of UUs and how many of the UUs that are coming into the faith are new. So they're first generation UUs, which is a big change from the old ways where a lot of people would be fourth, fifth, and sixth generation UUs. Um, there's a thirst for change and radical inclusion. Um, we use talk about inclusion a lot. And so um, a part of that, that trend is talking about like what it, that means to be radical. And then also um, it talks about the clash on beliefs um, in prioritizing equity, diversity and inclusion and what that looks like. Um, I think all of those things are really important to think about when you're uh, seeking change for really anything, like what's happening in, you know, these broader worlds and these systems that necessitate change. Um, we're really lucky because in Unitarian Universalism, we have you know, we've been doing a lot of this work for a long time. And so what's being asked of us isn't necessarily new. It is just work we're asking, we're being asked to do more intentionally and also centering the needs of a broader community. Um, and that's where, and that's the rub, right? Like right there in that piece, it's that intentionality and that shifting the center that's causing us a lot of a lot of heartache and a lot of um, miscommunication, misunderstanding. But I think that we have the advantage over other uh, faith communities and we need to use that advantage. Um, 
a lot of the things that we have to think about when we think about survival is what we need to emphasize, what we need to shift our focus to. Um, I'm thinking about like how, you know, we have this trend of people moving away from institutional religion. And so we have to think about like, what replaces that? What can we do to fill that hole if that isn't the priority? And so I'm thinking about like, how we need to create social and cultural communities and how we are in a really good position to lead um, the charge on cultural competence. Um, I'm thinking about how we can create more inclusive spaces for children and youth so that they want to stay and so that they're part of this forming and this faith formation. Um, we love our, our social justice initiatives. Like what does it mean for us to continue to lead those with intention? And then also thinking about how we can uh, create opportunities that influence the economics of the people who are part of the system already right like how do we how do we build community organizers how do we train them how do we fund you know these in our congregations those are things i think that are really important uh, for us to think about um i'll stop there just in case there are questions because i could go on forever <laughs> kind of like I want you to just like, go on like, um yeah I mean I I'm um I love that that uh like vision or like future like the the sort of um like uh I think I sometimes read fear or despair in this chapter and I think that those are there and I also love that you um also bring us, you know, bring us like feel those feelings, <laughs> feel those feelings, right? Those are real feelings, and and this like uh, who we could be, um, yeah. And I, I think that yeah. Oh, sorry. I just want to. I wanted to lift up how important I think that uh, like faith is important. Like this is, you know, like I think that people need these resources that faith offers. Absolutely, and I think that. Um... I think that, that, you know, you're reading this and you're looking at, you know, this picture of where we are and it feels like we're in a place we can't get out of. And uh, that's something hard to hold, right? Like to know that like something you've invested your time, your life into, um, it's falling apart and it feels like it's not ever going to be the same. And one of the things I always invite is yes, like it's not ever going to be the same, but like that's also an opportunity for it to be better. Like there, there, there's, there's room for growth. There's room for opportunity. And so yes, we have to feel all those feelings that come up. I mean, we have to mourn. We have to think about like, all what all of what we're losing right we're losing our communities our communities are dying off they're not growing we have to mourn that we have to mourn the dreams of what we thought it would be right like i'm sure there's someone who had a dream that um, unitarian universalism would be bigger than you know christianity and everybody would you know be part of this community and that's not what these trends are painting that picture to be. And so 
there's loss in that. And so we should mourn that. But also, you know, there are things like predictability and, you know, we talk a lot about how um, these communities are so close knit, like there's loss in that when those communities aren't as close. Um, it also makes me think about people who have been saying for years, we have to change because this isn't sustainable and no one would listen. And it makes me think about the people who had to who had to give up because it wasn't sustainable and there was no place for them and so they had to leave they didn't have a choice and so we have to mourn all of those things because they're all really hard and we're holding them in our hearts in our guts in our minds right and we're never taking a moment to process all of that loss i mean we think about COVID and we talk about like you know, more than more than half a million people have died. And like, how are we dealing with that? How are we processing that? Our faith systems are going through that same kind of death, not at the same pace, but that same act of, of slowly kind of fading away. And at no point are we taking a moment to say, hey, this is hard and we need to think about, you know, the losses that we have endured during this time. Um, we, we, you know, a lot of, we talk a lot about like community care and, um, there's a loss of like individualism in UU. We, we realize it doesn't work. It doesn't work to only think about yourself. It doesn't work to only focus on your own needs. It's all about community. It's all about caring for each other. That's a loss for people to, to then have to have to shift their thinking from me to us, right? And it's a it's something that should be mourned. We have to think about it. It has to be something that we process before we can move on to a new system, to a new way of being. Um, another thing that I think is just really important is that like in that process of of grieving and mourning, like we should be developing rituals around that that bring us together, that allow us to have these these spaces that are, um, that are conducive for us to say, hey, you know what, like this really hurts. Like I can, I can think about like having a, like a circle where people just sit around and say, hey, like this has hurt me. Being part of this system has hurt me. And having space to be affirmed in that hurt that can lead to healing. Um, I, and, and also like, you know, we have to plan for this, right? Like we can't just wake up and say, hey, we're gonna do this really big thing, this really big change. And if you're not part of it, like just, you know, hit the road. Like we can't, we can't do that in a way that leads to a community that's built for all of us. That's not to say that every single person will want to be part of that community and that's their right, right? We, we wanna make space for people who want to be here, who want to be part of this solution and be part of this change. And I think that's really important to be able to create space for that. That means being inclusive. That means that these gatherings should be hybrid, right? Where we're talking about, um, you know, having these in-person events, like we're, they should all be virtual as well, right? We should find a way to use all this technology we've developed over the past two years to make 
things more accessible for more people so that everyone who wants to be part of this change can be. Um, again, I could go on and on. Um, well, I, have a, I have a connection too that, that I think is really important um, out of this text is that um, we, we've, a lot of Unitarian Universals, Universalists have come to the point where their faith is comfortable for them. They're comfortable in the pews. They're comfortable with the way that things are done. They're comfortable with the power structures the way that they are. And our call is not to comfort. Our, our, our call is to be afflicted, to afflict the comfortable and comfort the afflicted. And, and if we're not doing that, we're not fulfilling our role in society as a religious organization. And it, it, so as much as we can say, you're going to be uncomfortable, we can also say, and there's a place for you here. It won't be the comfort that you've had before. And as we move through this, there will still be a place for you. And, and, I, and I worry that people aren't hearing that. The people that are uncomfortable right now feel like, well, these changes mean that, that I won't be welcome. I won't have a home. I'm losing something really near and dear to me. Um, and that's just not, I don't think that's how it's going to shake out. I think there will be place, but it won't be comfortable in the same way it was before. And also to, to just to remember that discomfort is temporary, just like comfort is temporary, right? Like you, there, there will be a time and a space for comfort, but that is on the other side of that discomfort, right? So like, no, you won't get to like, like do the thing you've always done the way that you've always done it because it's easy for you. Now you have to make space for other people to also get part right. of that. And there's always more room, right? Mm. There is not an, there's at no point does faith say, hey, we're full, you know, you gotta go. No, like there's, yeah. there's always more space. And so you can feel discomfort in this moment, but it will shift. It'll shift to comfort because one, you're not doing everything yourself. How much easier is it to carry a carry a heavy load, you know, with someone than alone? So think about that. We think about these social justice initiatives. What happens when you have just one person saying, hey, this is wrong? Like somebody might listen, but for the most part, nobody's hearing them. And then it, you bring a whole group of people who are saying this and all of a sudden everybody's listening. It makes me think about like, you know, at marches, like when someone is trying to get attention, they call out a specific phrase and then everybody else like calls back. And so ev until everybody is saying the same thing and it's all one united voice, there's discomfort in that beginning when there's only one or two people, right, who are trying to do the thing. But once everybody's on that same page of like, this is what we're saying, this is what we're doing, there's comfort in that. You know that you're not alone and and you don't have to be ever. Something else that I think is, um, is really uh, key to all of this is something that um, I learned from Reverend Anthony 
Mtutswa Johnson, um, who is a current professor at Star King and also has a, has his own church. But I, I learned from him at Star King, but it was this quote from Sister Outsider by Audre Lorde. And the quote says, it's not our differences that divide us. It is our inability to recognize, accept, and celebrate these differences. And so in thinking about this process, like there's all, there's this language of conflict of us versus them. And I think that we have to get away from that. There's no us, there's no, I mean, there is us, but there's no them. And so if there's no them and there's just us, then how do we think about and process what's happening to us right now so that we can get beyond surviving to thriving? Because we have the potential for that, right? So I think that thinking about like, what do we need to recognize before you know we get into this process what do we need to accept and what do we need to celebrate and just starting backwards with celebrating like celebrate everything like when we're on this plan and we're creating all of these things we need to celebrate every bit of it like we should throw a big party for widening the circle right like i think that like the work that that team did for you know for two years digging into all of this and creating this amazing report and guide for us that should be celebrated like we should ha like have a big party <laughs> just for that we need to celebrate you know that moment when you know our congregations um go through that process of of adjusting the the principles right like that's in progress right now like that's a point of celebration when we get to really think about what's important to us and how you know we want to move together when we create a covenant in our church groups that should be a celebration right when we like finish like all in celebrating doesn't mean I got a checkbox and now I'm done. It means, hey, we got through this process together and now it's time for for the next, right? And so I'm thinking a lot about like how we don't celebrate those things, how we just glaze over them and say, okay, like yeah. we did a thing and that's it. <laughs> well, and that's that's one of the ways that that we create that we create this feeling of us community. And it's not just the work other people are doing, but it's us doing this together and, and how we remind people that that there is a big enough table for all of us, right? It, it's really in later sections talk about theology, but this is really about the universalist theology that we that we are built on and that we need to lean into that there's room for everybody here. Everybody is welcome. Absolutely. And how do we create that in reality? Right. And, and I think that, that that takes us to the second one. I'm totally going backwards, um, but it goes to the second one of accepting. Like, what do we need to accept? What are we holding on to that doesn't serve us anymore? Like, we say, we say that a lot um, when we're talking about, like, when we're doing our own, like, personal work. And um, we talk about, like, when we're purging or we need to do, like, our spring cleaning, right? Like, you know, what do we need to let go of? Like, what what's hindering? our ability to grow as an individual as a community we need to think about those and we need to process those things because it isn't enough just to say hey like things are different and we just need to roll with it like we need to be in a place to say hey you know what 
it doesn't feel good that my my brown neighbor doesn't feel welcome in my congregation. It, it's not enough to say, um, oh, it's too bad, you know, my other neighbor who's in a wheelchair can't get through the front door, right? That's not enough. And so we have to mm -hmm. accept that, accept where we are, and we also have to accept what we need to move forward. Yeah, the stages of, um... Kubler-Ross's stages, is it death and dying or grief and grieving? That we start with denial, that we, we're in denial about where we are. Um, it, it's, an, it, it's an interesting, it'd be interesting to map where we are as, um, even just individually, where I am in terms of these changes that are happening. Am I in denial about them? And I'm, am I bargaining? Have I accepted? Um, that'd be an interesting framework. I think, I, I think I think what that that framework could work pretty well with the idea that no like there's no order to it right mm -hmm. so like like the initial framework was one that was intended to be um, kind of a, a guideline to what happens, but they weren't in a particular order. And so in thinking about it that way, like we're always constantly moving from one to the other right so there's you know there's there's denial there's you know then there's acceptance then we can go back to anger and then we can get to um complacency right like we can we can jump around and think about like all the different places we can be and we're all going to be in different places at any stage in this grief process so if that's true it's going to be really hard for us to think about like how to like just come together and just do the thing if we aren't intentional because we're all in different places right we all have different experiences of grief we all process grief differently and we're all in different kind of different places in on that list of of um of grief and so in thinking about that like how do like how do we come together so that our individual like placements in in these areas don't negate the work that could be done that don't negate the love that can be formed um there's a lot of work to be done and that that work never ends and so how do you not get lost in that knowing that you're going to be doing this work forever, right? Like that feels scary, right? To say, mm -hmm. you know, we're going to be doing this work forever. And, and also like, no matter how good you are at it, like there's still more to learn. Like that can be an opportunity for some people to say, you know what, I don't even want to do it. Cause what's the point, right? So you have to find ways that make the value of doing the work for you as an individual, really, really central to your faith and also like your your need for community yeah and it's it's a, a thought i've been thinking about is this piece that's also like um the like learning from each other what we need like if you know like when in struggle like it actually might be that somebody else has a practice or like a piece um and that the more sort of culturally one type of culture that we are, especially when we think like white supremacy, right? We think that culture is the best culture and no other cultures have important gifts to share. Um, that means that we can't share, right? We don't recognize actually the value of difference and like, like um, 
yeah, like I was having a conversation about how like white values, like efficiency or like perfectionism can be valuable. But one thing they're not good at is grief and trauma work, <laughs> which is what we, you know, we need a lot of right now in the world. Um, yeah, and I was thinking about the accessibility pieces also, like I feel like a principle I've heard about around accessibility is when you know you make things easier for somebody, there's a whole swath of people that then benefit from that as well, right? Like that, that it's um, this piece of community and us really needing one another. Absolutely. And I just, I, we're going to be coming to the end of our time rather quickly. I wanna bring us just back to the widening the circle document because I think the very end, um, the bullet points that start on in the printed document on page four, at the very end of page four, it says the unfinished and interrupted work on race within Unitarian Universalism has marred our ability to move forward at a time when accountability, multicultural awareness, and inclusive language are becoming the new normal in the larger world. Engagement in this type of development is deep spiritual and faithful work that allows for growth and change. And I wish, I, I would like to invite us just in, into piecing that apart is engagement with this type of development is deep spiritual and faithful work that allows for growth and change. Where do you hear the truth in that? I think that um, the truth in this is that we have to remember that all of this all of this work is only possible when we do it together um and even our connection to our spirit and to our faith it's not singular it's not individual it's all because of how we exist in community and so if we think about it that way, how we need each other, not just for like social or um, for uh, for fun, for, you know, for those those connections that are very surface level, like we have to have each other in order for spirit to move in us and through us. And that leads to being part of a larger faith that, uh, you know, that is conducive for us to be able to do that all the time, not just like, you know, when we're at GA, not just like, you know, when we are marching, not just on Sunday morning when we're sitting in our pew comfortable. It is, it will fundamentally change how we move through the world. And I think that this is how you do that work. Well, it's funny that each of us mentioned a solo spiritual practice, but what you're really calling us to, Jacaren, is a communal spiritual practice of some kind. Like, how do we, and I, and I think people oftentimes, well, I'll be flip a little bit. Um, we, we sometimes think that just showing up at church on Sunday morning is that, that that's our communal spiritual practice is just being in worship on Sunday morning. And, and I hear you really calling us to something bigger and deeper communally not just Sunday morning worship, Absolutely. but there's an and. 
Yes. Yes. And, um, and my particular, so the great thing about all of our practices, even though they seem singular, like I, I think about art and like when I am most touched and feel most connected is when I'm doing art with other people, which is something I, I often do. And even my work around end of life and, and, and grief, that work is primarily centered around grief-based um, art workshops. So it's a group of people getting together, doing art based on some particular aspect of grief. That's community, wow. right? I can see that in a meditative practice, right? We go to yoga class, we go to meditations, right? We do, um, you know, Sunday, uh, Wednesday night circles, right? Like we do these things with other people. Um, I think it's important to do it for yourself, but also like, how do you bring other people into that practice? And that's something mm -hmm. I think we, we should always be thinking about and it doesn't have to happen on a Sunday. Yeah, and I think it 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 um it made me think one thing I think about my practice is I do tend to be like alone, but like I really see like the earth and like the trees and the plants around me as part of that practice. And part of what I find in there is actually a witnessing to who I am that is uh easier than I often find with people. Um so yeah, it's interesting how I think it actually is more communal than even like I've necessarily been thinking about it as. Wonderful. Well, as we wrap up our time, um, I get to uh, call us all to action of some kind. And um, we've been inviting you to get access to the Widening the Circle of Concern document. I have the printed version. There's a PDF. Um, I think it's still freely available at the UUA um, on the Committee on Institutional Change website. I invite you to do that. Um, I also want to invite a, a slightly different spiritual practice um, this time around, um, and, and that is to, by yourself or with a person that you really trust, is to start to investigate questions of your own religious wounds and religious healings. That's one of the quote, uh, quotes out of this chapter that we didn't um, didn't read again on page four. We have spent time com comparing our religious wounds rather than healing them. As a result, we have often operated from a least common denominator approach rather than one linked to our highest values as a people of faith. And part of what the call for me in this chapter is the call to start to heal some of our woundedness around religion and around spirituality. So I'm inviting all of you into that work too, is either through yourself or, or with a trusted person is start to investigate your wounds around religion, what you're grieving through these changes in this process and how to help yourself heal. Uh, and that could be a very long process for some of us, um, but we've got to start the work somewhere. Um, and that might start with some rituals or some practices like Jacaren had mentioned that in order to let some of that grief go. Are there any final words? I just want to thank you for uh, for inviting me and letting me talk about uh, these really important issues. And this could easily be like a five hour um, podcast on just this section. So I appreciate um, your invitation here. I, I see a Hilda Mason scholarship application in your future for this.
You know, that might be a great idea. <laughs> Thank you for being here, Jacaren. And this was wonderful. Thank you. Everybody, go in peace, go in power, go do good in the world, and go knowing that you are deeply loved. Thank you all. And at the end of the podcast, we'd like to say a few thank yous. Thank you first to Jacaren Olaoya for coming on this podcast, sharing all of your wisdom, and generally for being awesome. Thank you to Unitarian Universalist Justice Arizona, or UJAZ as always, and especially to Janine Gelsinger and Phoebe Dubich. And thank you to all of you for being with us in this episode and on this journey. As a reminder, you can contact us at uusacredstory at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you. Mm -hmm.